Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Week 10 preview episode of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. As a true football fan, you already know that every weekend your favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We are halfway through the NFL season. And we're on the downslope now with week 10. So now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. Best part is, if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit that's right. If you put in five hundred, they'll give you five hundred. Now you got a thousand. That's double your initial first deposit. You can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code Chair to activate the offer. That's promo code Chair C H A I R to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today, where you play, you win, you get paid. My guest today, good friend of the show, despite his allegiances, Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit going to help us uh, preview this game between the Bears and the Lions. Um, it's apparently our best shot at a win in, uh, you know, in, in some time. We're at home. A division rival who is uh, you know, technically half a game up on us because of the tie uh, on their schedule. But, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, you, you, you've heard Jeremy and I talk about it over the years. Uh, this is actually one of the more fun rivalries in the division because it's the most competitive despite what the records are you know whether lions are having a good season or the bears are having a good year more times than not these games uh, are pretty close last year uh the first game in soldier field was the exception but we got a tight game of literally a few days later uh, on thanksgiving when it took an eddie jackson pick six in the fourth quarter uh to get the bears their seven point victory over the lions and actually also took a interception by kyle fuller in the end zone with under two minutes to play to uh, seal the deal uh, as well so bears lions always a fun rivalry so uh yeah so let's get on with it it's the week 10 preview episode of the bears talk underground so let's get to it second half of the season officially begins this sunday when our beloved host the detroit lions at Soldier Field. It's all downhill from here. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back, the Week 10 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And our good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit will be joining us here uh, in just a few moments. Um, don't really have a whole lot to talk about uh, before the uh, before the interview with uh, Jeremy. Um, the, the Mike Davis saga still continues. He's still on the team, still practicing, so... Uh, you know initial thought would be that the bears don't plan on pulling the trigger uh on uh, releasing him to get that compensatory uh pick i shared my thoughts with you guys on that during the olin Crutes uh show speaking of which um really great response to the olin Crutes show 
you know, a lot of good positive uh, feedback from friends and from you guys as well. And uh, also the power of Olin Crudes. I nearly added about 30 new Twitter followers in a day uh, because of him. So that was pretty cool uh, as well. So uh, all 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 positive things when it comes to the uh, Olin Crudes show. Um really like one big topic that kind of came out of the press conferences uh this week uh for the bears uh was um basically how how would you how you feel about Mitch saying something about trying to have the TVs turned off in Hallis Hall to avoid the negative uh criticism uh about him about the team about the way they're playing uh, what they need to do, who they are, who they're not, and uh, and so on. And I and I get, and I get that he's basically saying that they want to basically turn off the the outside noise and and focus on what's uh, in front of them and 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 things like that. As as a principle, I get it. Um, I, I don't think that it's something that he should be sharing. Uh, with the media, especially if you're a quarterback of the Chicago Bears, you know the the second largest market uh, in the or third, I should say, because LA is number two, but the third largest market in the in the league, uh, one of the more passionate fan bases in football because it just doesn't it does it's not going to land right, you know. As I I know it wasn't Mitch's intention to to sound like he's uh, whining or complaining about the people whining and complaining about him because i've plus me i've seen plenty of tweets out there saying well if you don't want to saying negative things then just play better and that was my initial thought as well while reading those tweets but at the same time i don't think that's the context in which he was trying to deliver that message i, I you know uh, in, in i'm going to try and defend mitch on this one I, I think that he was basically saying that that's one of the ideas that uh, they've had about trying to cut out the outside noise and just focus on themselves and uh, blinders and earmuffs, I think, is like the theme uh, this year. Just ignore what's going on out there, and you know, play within yourself and uh, listen to each other, but not the outside world and play football and so on and so forth. So maybe that's the the strategy the Bears are trying to enforce here uh, going forward until they can actually get a victory. And, uh, you know, enjoy the spoils of Club Dub after after a win, something they haven't done since our week four win over the Vikings. And um, plenty of ideas on how that can get done. I'll save that for the uh, for the review at the or for the preview at the uh, at the end there. And, um, you know, it, it just. uh it's going to be an interesting game on Sunday. Jeremy and I talk about it uh, for a while. Uh, both, but the thing is, is like we're we're kind of confused as to how the game itself is going to going to turn out. We have one of the worst offenses in the NFL for the Bears playing against one of the worst defenses in the Lions. And the irony there is that the head coach of the Chicago Bears is supposed to be an offensive genius and a quarterback guru it's like well our offense is terrible and our quarterback is not playing well at all and uh, on the other side uh, Matt Patricia is a defensive genius 
who's calling the plays for one of the worst defenses in football. So the the irony there is is pretty rich, and those two units are going to be going head-to-head uh, on Sunday. So which one of those shows up to play on Sunday will probably determine who wins because our defense and their offense are actually playing pretty well uh, this season despite their records, or you or you wouldn't notice that those two units are playing well because of the weakness of the units on the other side of the ball for the each respective uh, team. So Jeremy and I go into depth uh, about that and, and kind of try and break down uh, how one of these teams will emerge. And we kind of come up with a solution uh, towards the end, so kind of stick around uh, for that. Uh, real quick with the injuries uh, for the Lions, there's quite a few. I think uh, I'm not going to detail them all. Uh, now but um, you know I think there were 13 14 names on that list for the Bears it's down to two Uh, one is Eddie Goldman who was limited on who did not practice Wednesday but was limited today on Thursday and the other was Isaiah Irving who has not practiced yet with that uh, that thigh or quad I think it was a quad injury that kept him out all of uh, last week so we'll see how that uh, how that goes and um if the Bears would do another roster move because we cut James Vodders, re-signed Bradley Soul, and then put Vodders back on the practice squad. And I got a feeling if Isaiah Irving doesn't uh, play again this week that we might see Bradley Soul get cut on Saturday, <laughs> that James Vodders will get signed to the roster. He'll play on Sunday in Isaiah Irving's spot. Then on Monday, Vodders will get cut. Soul will get re-signed. And then Vauders will be on the practice squad again because Ryan Pace needs something to do during the week, apparently. So uh, we'll see how that all unfolds. But um, anyway, we're going to go ahead and dive right into our interview with our good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit. Uh, despite his allegiances, he's one of my favorite guests, uh, and I enjoy talking about uh, Bears-Lions uh, with him. So let's go ahead. And get into that. Myself, Jeremy Risen, previewing Week 10 between the Bears and the Lions. Well, it must be Week 10 because the Lions are on the schedule and this is the earliest that we played the Lions, what, like the last three years or something uh, like that. And because it's November and it's Week 10, that means our good friend, despite his allegiances, Jeremy Reisman is here to help us preview this divisional rivalry between the Bears and the Lions. Jeremy, welcome back, man. Thanks for having me. And I, I guess we can still call it a rivalry, rivalry given uh, the current circumstances, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a game that still means something. And, um, you know, even though uh, mathematically we're both, uh, you know, it's the, the chances of the playoffs are slim to none. There's always the opportunity for a miracle uh, to take place. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's just been one of those years where uh, can you can do you really have the faith that something like that is going to happen? Because I'm... Uh, I think they I like they can do it, but it's kind of like uh, when I make predictions at the end of all my preview episodes. Can they win the game? Absolutely. We can absolutely win every single game on our schedule. Will they win? Eh, 
you know, that's that's where I'm at with the team right now. Yeah, that sounds a very familiar for the the tone that's in Detroit right now. And uh, Michigan and, and Detroit in general, not exactly the home of a lot of football miracles lately. Yeah. So uh, even though all Lions fans generally have is hope, uh, that is quickly dying in yeah. early November. Yeah, I mean, you guys uh, got off to an odd start, man. That first sure. month in September – you have that that weird first game against Arizona. Didn't didn't you have a lead in the fourth quarter that they came back from? O- only eighteen points. Oh, is that all it was? Just yeah, three scores. Just, an, oh, just awesome. an eighteen point lead in the fourth quarter against the Cardinals. That's it. Yeah, came back and ended up with a tie there. And then in back to back games after that, one at home and one on the road, you beat the last two teams that beat us, the Chargers and the Philadelphia Eagles. So you've already proven that you can do something the Bears can't do. And then. I watched this game, actually, Kansas City, and that's where I came back thinking, and I've been saying it ever since, and I guess maybe I've been wrong. I haven't seen the Lions play much since then except for that debacle on Monday night, and we'll get to that. But um, the Kansas City game, I came away with a lot of respect for the way that you guys really hung in there and, and really kind of uh, you know, were going toe-to-toe uh, with Kansas City, who, who appeared to be invincible you know, at the time. You guys made the Chiefs look human. Uh, in that ball game, and if not for some some crazy misfortune with that weird fumble that nobody wanted to recover, that the Chiefs ran back for a touchdown, and you know one guy tried to tackle him because everyone else thought the play was over, I think you guys probably win that game. Yeah, it's it was an odd start to the season because I think at that point that was the the apex of hope for the season, which is weird to right. say after a loss, but like lines are two one and one at that point. A lot of people two zero oh and one, dude. Yeah, well, two one and one after the, after losing to the Chiefs. After well, no, you you were two zero oh and one. Yes, and then two one and one. Oh no, you're right. right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm stupid. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Let's just forget that and keep going like I didn't say it. Uh, but yeah, so so fans were at their most optimistic at that point because you look at that schedule in the off season. I'm sure we talked about it on this show too. You know, yeah, Chargers, Eagles, Chiefs. Three playoff teams from last year, three teams that we assumed were going to be very much contenders in the discussion this year. A lot of people are saying, hey, if we can come out one and three or two and two at best, we're still in this. Yeah. And so the fact that they came out better than that, two one and one, two wins, one on the road against two playoff teams from last year. And and like you said, hanging in with that Chiefs team that looked, you know, they were undefeated at that point. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked that was the first time he had not thrown a touchdown or run for a touchdown since his rookie year. Mm-hmm. things were looking really, really good. And, uh, pe- you know, people in Detroit were getting very excited. They were still, you know, behind in, in the NFC North race because, you know, the Bears got off to a good start. Basically, everyone got off to a good start. We were looking at this division. Everyone had a winning record after four weeks, and you're just yeah. like, okay, it's going to be an uphill climb for the Lions, but they're in this. They, they've proven already they can compete with anybody, and they can beat some good teams finally. So, yeah, things were things were riding nice, and you know, a mere three weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, and it just uh, same day as you guys uh, go to the down to the wire uh, with the Chiefs, the Bears stomped a mud hole in Minnesota. You know, without our starting quarterback, who went down five plays into the game, we absolutely dominated Minnesota, sixteen to six, and the game wasn't even that close, man. I mean, we really just ran through uh, the Vikings. The defense was missing Akeem Hicks and. It didn't matter. We, we sacked Kirk Cousins like four times. 
Dalvin Cook was a complete non-factor, and Kirk Cousins did what he always does against successful teams, laid a huge egg in Chicago uh, against the Bears. And here we are going into that London game feeling really, really great, and apparently we peaked that day because it has gone all downhill. We're 0-4 since that game, and, you know, you guys are 1-3 since that game as well, since that week, and it's just... You know, like what happened? Like October was like a disaster for us both. <laughs> yeah, and I would say the the turnaround really happened not the next week, even though they lost to the Packers on that Monday night game. It was after that Packers game because the Lions looked like they had in the previous four games against that Packers team. You know, just yeah. bad break with the refs, Aaron Rodgers magic, whatever you want to call it. You, 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 you lose a close game to the Packers on Monday night in Lambeau. You don't feel too bad about that. Right. But then everything just collapsed after that. The Lions' pass offense went from one of the best in the league to one of the worst in the league. And, and Kirk Cousins, you know, had a resurrection after that Bears, Bears game and, and lit the Lions' secondary up. Daniel Jones did the same the following week, even though the Lions got the win against the Giants. And then yeah. last week, Derek Carr, who's also kind of having a resurrection, tears up this Lions' pass defense. And, and just the defense looks completely lost since that game, since, like, they, they looked so promising in that Chiefs game. They looked promising for three quarters against that Packers team, and then that was it. Like, they had given up all they could for the 2019 season, and now they're just out of it. And and they can't seem to stop anyone on the ground. They can't seem to stop anyone through the air. And, and Matthew Stafford's having a borderline MVP season, but you would never know it because the Lions are 3-4-1, are and one, and, and the defense is just awful right now. Yeah, I mean, so here herein lies the big matchup for Sunday then. Yeah, our horrendous offense versus your horrendous defense, and it's like whoever wins the advantage there will probably end up winning the game because strength against strength on the other side of the ball, your yeah. offense, our defense, it, you know, it's going to come down to whether or not our offense can score enough points to outdo whatever the Bears are going to allow the Lions to do on Sunday. Yeah, that's that's you, you nailed it. I mean, and I couldn't really tell you which way because. Both teams seem to be headed in in the wrong direction quickly. Yeah, um, Mitchell Trubisky is obviously getting worse. It seems as the season goes on. Yeah, Lions pass defense getting much worse as the season goes on. And so I, I mean, it, you flip a coin at this point. It, you, you can look at the matchups all you want. Allen Robinson versus Darius Slay would be a, a great, exciting matchup if it weren't for everyone else being so horrible around those two guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean. It, it fascinates me how how quick both teams went in in the wrong direction there because, I mean, we we can talk about Mitchell Trubisky all you want, but I'm shocked as as ever that the the Bears running attack has been so bad this year, and it's yeah. not that's not a Trubisky thing. That's you know whether the Jordan Howard move was the right move or why Tariq Cohen isn't getting the ball more in the running game. I, I you probably have all those answers, but from an outside looking in, that's almost to me as surprising as just how big of a turn this entire Bears team has, has taken in 2019. Yeah, you know, I I you know, uh watch your feet. I'm dropping names. I just talked to Olin Krutz on Tuesday. That's right. And yeah. uh you know, he's almost as dumbfounded as everyone else is. And he basically just, you know, to sum it up, he's throwing up his hands. He's like nobody's playing well. It's like that's what I see <laughs> when I look at the film. No one is playing good football. No one is, you know, and that comes down to coaching, that's execution, everything they can I mean, it just feels like something about this year is cursed. It just seems like the mistakes that we we avoided last year, 
uh, the holding penalties, the the untimely penalties. The Bears got away. I don't want to say we got away with stuff, but we got through the season without being that team. Like that's what plagued us during the the Tressman and Fox eras was that we were a team that was constantly shooting ourselves in the foot. We'd stop a team on third down, but oh wait. Mm-hmm. There was a defensive holding penalty, five-yard penalty, automatic first down. The drive is extended, and they finish it off with, a, with, with points uh, or whatever. That happened over and over, especially the last two years with Fox in 2016 and 2017. And it was just last year we didn't do that. We, we, we've already eclipsed our holding penalty total for the season wow. from last year. We already have more than that uh, from last year. Same thing on defense, jumping off sides. Uh, and things like that. It's just that these mistakes. And then on top of it, the defense isn't opportunistic as it was last year. We right. had 21 turnovers at this point in, in last season. This year we've only got 11. And it's yeah. making all the difference in the world. Eddie Jackson, who was the most dangerous, most feared safety in the NFL last year, has been a ghost this year for one reason or another, whether it's Pagano's scheme or you know the nfl has finally smartened up on how to take him out of the game or whatever it is eddie jackson for all of his talents and and everything that he showed in the first two seasons has been non-existent this year not one pick not a fumble recovery nothing for eddie jackson so far this year and it's been tough to watch yeah that's crazy i mean and and from the Lions side i think a lot of people thought that there'd be some sort of regression on defense specifically in that kind of turnover era because the turnover numbers last year were just ridiculous. And, you know, a lot of statisticians will tell you that turnovers are, are pretty random year by year. At least, you know, th- there was a, at least some sort of sign that they would regress back to the mean. And and I th- still think, you know, this Bears defense is really, really good. It's yeah. just, yeah, those, those turn- turnovers are, are key. And I think that's what was helping the offense last year kind of he- keep their head above water. Mm-hmm. And now when it's back on the offense to, to score points with normal field position, not field position handed to them by special teams or the defense uh we're kind of seeing exactly how that manifests itself and it's, it's not pretty well yeah i mean and then on top of it those turnovers gave the offense more opportunities sure. with the football i mean like you said field position battle was a thing uh last season that's virtually non-existent now uh you know and it's just whenever the defense was able to get a sack or you know like the pass rush being able to drive teams backwards that also gave us good field position getting the defense off the field and three and outs and stuff like that now we're struggling on third down to get our opponents uh, off of the field so I mean it's just really kind of been like what the hell happened to these guys man I mean seriously everybody is back so it's not like we went ahead and just retooled the entire team aside from a couple of guys everybody came back everybody and it just seemed like in the places that we lost people we seemed to either do as well or upgrade like we everyone I think you know depending aside from Bears and Packer fans would I think agree that haha Clinton Dix for Adrian Amos was a push right and Buster Screen was I guess a push in in talent but definitely an advantage for the Bears in the fact that he's actually playing football this year and Bryce Callahan hasn't played a down for the Broncos yet right I mean that was the big thing like when when the the choice was if we can only sign one, do you want Amos or Callahan? It's like, well, Callahan is the better player, but Amos is far more uh, reliable. Yeah. Like, I think he's, you know, the only games that he missed was when he was benched in the second year of his career. You know, like otherwise, he's healthy and on the field and making plays. Bryce Callahan is out there, one of the best nickel corners in the game, but the guy's hurt almost all the time. So, 
Uh, you know, and then it's like we lost Josh Bellamy, who was one of our like our number five receiver, one of our special teams guys. We go out and get Cordero Patterson. That's an upgrade. You know, we 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 trade away Jordan Howard, but we drafted David Montgomery, who can do everything that Howard can do and catch the ball out of the backfield and is a bit more of a flashy, dynamic runner. So to me, that that seemed like an upgrade as well. So how is it? We are the exact opposite this year than we were a year ago at this time. We were five and three on a two-game winning streak, and now we're three and five on a four-game losing streak. And it's just you just can't wrap your head around what's going on. You sit there and you watch it, and it's just like, how have these guys not figured out how to fix this yet? Yep, and uh, I mean, same questions are happening on the Lions side right now. <laughs> you, you, you look, and and where it's really happening is on defense. And you know, I've already yeah. told you kind of how much of a meltdown it's been. But you look at the off season that this team had. You know, they they really ended 2018 on a very high note defensively. With the Damon Harrison trade mid season, the Lions transformed into one of the worst run defenses into one of the best. Last eight weeks of the season, they were a top five run defense in every single statistical well, category. I mean, Jordan Howard had like 10 and 14 yards rushing in the two games that we played yeah. against you guys last year, and that was right after the Snacks Harrison trade. Exactly. And then you look at the offseason they had. They, they go and get Trey Flowers. They go and get Justin Coleman, one of the best nickel corners in the game as well. They they draft Jelani Tavai in the second round, a, a good linebacker. They draft a safety in the in the third round. This team really went in on their defense, and you're just like, okay, well, Matt Patricia, defensive-minded coach, he's he's a guru. Second year under his system, finally getting the guys in his in his, you know, the guys that he likes in his system, and they've regressed. They've somehow yeah. been, you know, gotten worse, and th- there's really no explanation for it. The the <laughs> personnel is better. The coaching should be there now that they're settled in after a year, and they're worse. And yeah. and that I mean, that's why Matt Patricia right now is under a lot of heat. I don't think there's any danger of him losing his job this year or anything like that, but to see the defense take such a big step back after, you know, progressing through the year last year is is the biggest surprise and biggest disappointment of this team because look at all my pre-written articles in in the offseason. All of them say this defense is going to be better. The question is whether the offense can get it together under new offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel in time for their season not to be already, you know, off the off the track. Right. And it's been the complete opposite. The, yeah. the offense was firing on all cylinders from the minute they, they snapped the ball this year. And the defense has been a huge, huge disappointment, especially in these last three or four games. Right. Well, if you flip that, you're talking about the Bears. <laughs> yeah. You know, like so how would the, the defense how would the defense respond to a brand new defensive coordinator in in Chuck Pagano in the first four weeks, there wasn't a better defense in the NFL. I don't care what anybody says. The, yeah. the you know, even though the Patriots were stingier with the points, the Bears were assassins on the field on defense. I mean, that Minnesota game was as, probably as well a defensive game played that I've seen, and we played it without Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith. I mean, that was the the marvel of it all. But it's the offense that you know, it's like everyone could not wait to see the offense because, like you. You have a defensive-minded guy that's had success in you know calling the defenses and running it in in, in New England, and your defense is trash right now. Yep. And we have an offensive offensive genius, a quarterback guru, who our quarterback could not be playing much worse than he's playing right now, and our offense is garbage. It's like, so how is it that the guys that we pick that are experts <laughs> to improve these units are scraping the bottom of the league literally? in the rankings 
right now. So we're just as dumbfounded, you know, you're just as dumbfounded with your defense as we are with our offense, especially since the guys running those units, A, are the head coaches and specialize in the areas that we're struggling in. I mean, how how is that possible, you know? I, I don't know, but we have to, like, somehow – cross streams here forgive the the crude <laughs> phrase and just become one bulk of a team one yes megatron yeah. of a team and and you know we'll we'll take down the packers and vikings ourselves yeah like back in the the 30s or whatever when the steelers and the i and the eagles joined <laughs> forces to make one team the steagles uh or stump or something you know we'll be the we'll be the blyans or or the leers <laughs> or layers or something i don't know and then you know your offense our defense will take over the world man let's just do it I, and see, I never thought I'd, I'd want to pair with you guys. No offense to you personally. I always thought it'd be the Vikings because those guys are at least nice. They're, they're. I don't particularly care for any of their players, but their their fans are nice. Uh-huh. And we've always had kind of a harmonious relationship. But with Bears fans, I, I'm I'm I think I'm finally willing to 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 give you guys the olive branch just because I'm at this point I'm desperate. <laughs> At this point, I'm just desperate for. We're not getting any younger, man. We got to see a championship happen one of these days, right? Exactly, exactly. I don't want to be one of those 70 year olds that wears a lion shirt that says, please, once before I die. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy. I really don't. (laughs) Oh, man. And still, the closest you guys have come to Super Bowl was the NFC title game in 91. How old were you in 91? I was five years old. Five years old. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah, I was eight the last time we won a Super Bowl 33 years ago. 34, excuse me, 34 years ago. So, yeah, that's that sucks. But it's been a long time, long-suffering fan bases. But I don't want to be that, uh, you know, that old guy that, like, when the Cubs finally won the World Series a few years ago, like, there are people who lived their whole lives and died before the Cubs won a World Series. And, you know, you felt privileged to be alive to, to see it. Because, you know, you just don't want to have that happen. They got to figure it out eventually, right? I mean, that's the question. That's that's the the thing we've been trying to convince ourselves for the past 50 years. Like, okay, well, just like pure luck at this point. I mean, because that's that's all essentially some of football is, is luck on Sundays, luck on draft day. Like at some point, the Lions have to roll the dice and they're going to come up double sixes or, or whatever is a, is a lucky i don't know i don't i don't gamble a lot so i don't know what a lucky i know it's not snake eyes because we've rolled plenty of those yes yes <laughs> but, I, I believe they call that the matt millen era is uh, yes, just exactly. snake eyes you know but, the, the stories that i've heard about his decisions on draft day just like jesus christ they really could have had <laughs> some kind of football team like taking I forget what year it was or which receiver it was. You guys went on that like three or four year stretch yep. where you took a receiver in the top ten, yep. and one of them should have been Demarcus Ware. Yep. Yes. Like yep. you, that's who 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 uh, Millen wanted. That's who he had it. You know, like he was all ready, got the card ready to go. Demarcus Ware out of Troy. That's going to be our guy. And then somebody convinces him at the last minute to take like Mike Williams or something yeah, like that. And that then was, your fate is sealed from there. I think I even read that like Matt Millen's son punched him in the face when he made that call. There's oh my god. There's so many good slash horrible Matt <laughs> Millen draft stories. My favorite though, and and this never was confirmed, but one beat writer uh, that was that was on the lines beat back then told a story about when the Lions drafted Brian Calhoun, the the University of Wisconsin running back. 
the lines were on the clock. It was the third round, I believe. Mm-hmm. Clock was running low. They didn't know what they were going to do. There was a whole bunch of disagreement. Everyone was yelling. And then just a random voice at the back of the room yells, Brian Calhoun! And that's how they made the decision. Oh my just God. a random guy in the back of the room. Of course, Brian Calhoun. No one, no one knows who that is, and that's because he never had a good NFL career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I get those, uh, those feelings, those flashbacks when I look at our 2007 draft. <laughs> yeah, it's like we drafted Greg Olson, and we won't get into what happened there. <laughs> Bear fans are still pissed that it's been almost 10 years since we made that trade, mm-hmm. and we still can't get over it. Second round pick was a guy named Dan Bazoon. Never I played like it name. down. Yeah, never played it down for the Bears. Neither did our third round pick, Michael Okwo, a linebacker. Yep. Not a not a down. Uh, the next pick was Garrett Wolf, uh, who was more of a local hero for Northern Illinois. Was a Chicago sure. area kid. Yeah. Was like five seven, one hundred and twenty five pounds, and somehow lasted about six years in the NFL. God bless him. But <laughs> it's like go back and look at that draft. It's like Greg Olson. We got a few years out of Garrett Wolf. And then there was a defensive back who was a good player for us. Ended up going to like Baltimore and winning a championship. I think he was with Philly when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Like he's still uh, Graham, Graham, Mm -hmm. Corey Graham. That was his name. We got him in the fifth round. Everybody else is like these guys could be dead for all we know because they never played a down for the Bears. Like you know, Bazoon and Okwo didn't make the team. In 2007. I mean, I know we just went to the Super Bowl, but Jesus Christ, okay? Second and third round picks don't make the team? That's unbelievable. So, yeah, I feel your pain with the Matt Miller. I mean, your stretch was a bit rougher than (laughs) ours. Uh, You you did mention the word Super Bowl in there, so. Yeah, I did, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's uh, what was remarkable about that. But, you know, it's like here we are with these two teams. We're, We're at the midway point. We both have three wins. Uh, thanks to your tie, you're half a game ahead of us sure. in the standings. We're in, you're in third, we're in uh, fourth. And, uh, you know, listening to us talk for the last few minutes, you'd think the outcome was bleak for the next eight weeks um, <laughs> because of the way that everyone else is playing in the NFC right now. Yeah. I mean, let alone our own division. We got seven and two and six and three ahead of us. So we're like, what, three, four games behind those guys right off the bat. Uh, San Francisco still undefeated. Uh, Seattle is six and two, something like that, and um, LA seems to be playing better at five and three. And hell, I think that Arizona's got four wins or something like that, and the Saints are seven and one or whatever they are right now. And it's just, you know, whoever wins the NFC East will be the default, you know, playoff team there. But it's just like there are like nine teams ahead of us right now that we'd have to climb through be able to make the uh, to make the playoffs this season. So. It, the season's not over, but it is all at the same time. Yeah, and the Lions have a much easier schedule, I would say. Uh, you know, ahead of, ahead of them, you, you're looking Dallas next week. Uh, obviously, kind of tough, but you got Washington, mm-hmm. um, Chicago again. But you got the Bucks. You got the Broncos still on the schedule. Then a couple more division games. It it's possible that the Lions could go on a run, but yeah. no one no one in Detroit is actually believing it. And and <laughs> honestly, at three, four, and one, you're looking at you know, you probably have to go seven and one, probably get yeah. to 10, five and one to, to really have a chance at a wild card. I think at this point, and, and no one really believes the Lions can, can go on a seven and one run at this point. One of the m- most winnable games left on the schedule was last week against the Raiders. Yeah. And the Lions blew that one too. So 
for them to play essentially flawless football for the next two months, it's just it's just not in the cards for this team, regardless of, of how much the schedule lets up from from what looked like a pretty tough start. So what exactly is going wrong with the with the defense? Because like you said, they were they were playing well that first month. They were in every game. They almost beat the beat the Chiefs there with some unfortunate turnovers that kind of did them in uh in, in that game. But it's like you said, the last four months, you know, they're twenty three, forty two, thirty, twenty six and thirty one. So I mean, that's a lot of points that are yeah. being given up there. I mean, is it is it like the Bears? Is it with lots of penalties that is giving the other team's life, or are they just outmaneuvering Patricia and his scheme? It's, I mean, that's a really good question. I think a lot of it starts with the linebacking core. It just hasn't been what the Lions expected it to be. They, they've spent a lot of draft resources. Jared Davis is a guy that they really seem to really, really like, and they always say the right things about it. And the guy, by all means, a hard worker, a smart guy, a you know, a tape guy who who's, spends hours and hours in, in the room prepping and, and learning all he can, but he just cannot put it together on the field. Right now, I believe he's the, the lowest-graded linebacker in the league, according to Pro Football Focus, and wow. we're talking about a first-round draft pick right there. Yeah. Um, th- there are other guys. Christian Jones is a guy that they like. They actually just signed him to a two-year extension, but he's not playing all that well either, so Lions fans are pretty frustrated with that move. Jelani Tavai is still a rookie, so I think we're, we're kind of waiting the wings there. And then the secondary, I think the play of the secondary has really been the biggest difference between the first half of the or the first month of the season and the second month. First month of the season, they were getting their hands on balls all all over the place. Interceptions, I think they were second in passes defended over the first four games of the season, and they've averaged three per game over the last three games, where they were averaging I think over six per game before that. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of that also has to do with an underperforming uh, defensive line. You know, Trey Flowers hasn't been the $90 million guy that they, they signed him to. They've been dealing with a bunch of injuries on the defensive front. So Deshaun Hand, who had a really good rookie season, has only played in two games this year, and he's injured again. Uh, Ashawn Robinson, um, kind of in and out of the lineup. Snacks hasn't been quite as, as, as good of a guy as, as you know, he has been his entire career. And so... You re- you probably just realized that I literally listed every part of the defense as as a reason why the defense is failing, and I mean that's that's it. It's it's a failure on every single level right now, and I think you ultimately have to bring that back to coaching. Yeah, I mean, and and you basically just like like I said before, if you flip that, you're talking about the Bears' <laughs> offense. Yeah, the offensive line that was solid last season. You know, running was not our specialty, but we ran when we had to. Yeah. You know, we could get, you know, three yards on on third and four, you know, or, you know, actually third and two or something uh, like that. We could do that. And, uh, you know, Mitch had his moments, but for the most part, you could see him progressing. He was a much better quarterback in the Eagles game than he was the first game of the season against the Packers uh, last year. And. Uh, our wide receiving core, Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, all those guys were making plays and vital to the success of the offense last year. None of them, aside from Robinson, is doing a damn thing yeah. this year, especially Trey Burton. Like, I just cannot figure out where that guy went. We have <laughs> zero uh, zero uh, outcome from our, from our tight ends. The best tight end that we have on the team right now is J.P. Holtz, and we're using him as a fullback more times. Uh, than not. I mean, it's just staggering to sit there and watch how every level of the offense is struggling and has deeply regressed from a year ago. 
But the one thing that, 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 that's got me wondering is that for the second year in a row, the Lions have made a questionable trade, and this time the victim yeah. of that trade was Quandre Diggs, and that was a very unpopular move. I mean, I saw it all over Twitter that there were players like, dude, what the hell, man? Yeah, I it was one of those moments where I had to like quadruple check the tweet and make sure there was a check mark, make sure it was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was completely unexpected. They, they gave the guy an extension the year before in, in 2018 to start the year. This coaching staff, this general manager gave Quandre Diggs an extension. Well, just barely over a year later, they, they trade him before the deadline. A guy that was a team captain, a guy that was by all means not playing horribly. I mean, compared to a lot of other guys on this defense, he was fine. Um, and he's still, I think, 25, 26 years old. So um, any sort of regression that they may have seen or perceived could have certainly just been, you know, a, a month of bad play. Yeah. And so, I mean, in terms of the personnel that the Lions have, they did draft a, a safety in the third round in the past two years. So they have personnel to, to kind of step in and they have potentially the guys for the future. And maybe mm-hmm. that was the plan, like, we, we know who these guys are going to be going forward. Let's get something for Quandre while we can. But the return just did not seem to be worth it in the middle of a season. Yeah. To, to disrupt everything in week six or week seven or whatever it was for a fifth-round pick, not even a fifth-round pick. They traded Quandre Diggs and a seventh for a fifth-round pick. So it's really just moving up a couple rounds with with a pick. And, I mean, I it's it's hard to say – how much team chemistry was thrown off and, and to, and it's only been two weeks and, and the lines have been one and one in those weeks. So it's not like this is the reason why the lines are, are suddenly so much worse or anything like that. But Darius Slay was certainly not very happy about it. Yeah. And we even gave him a week to cool off after he made some pretty vicious comments to the, to the media and he did not back down a week after he's, he's not happy about it. He doesn't seem to understand it. Mm-hmm. And I think the most concerning part about it to me is that he told the media that, the coaching staff and, and general manager did not talk to him about it personally. Yeah. When when he went to the media that first time, it was like, I don't get it. I hate it. I know this is a business, but I hate it. He comes back the next week and, and you know, press asks him, so, you know, did you have a conversation with the general manager or the coach about this? And he goes, no, no. Why, what, would I, what would they have to tell me? It's a business, whatever. Like, And yeah. that, to me, is concerning because yeah. if there's been kind of this – tone from this coaching staff from Matt Patricia and all it it's been very kind of head buddy with with some of the the leaders in in that locker room and we saw Golden Tate go last year and we there's just been a lot of personality clashes that seem to be happening from behind the scenes and I mean that's that's kind of standard operating procedure for the Patriots I mean you have players that come out of the Patriots saying it was horrible I hated it you know it was very impersonal it wasn't a lot of fun it was work 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 whatever and that seems to be happening in, in Detroit, and some will say that's great. That's what you need in a culture change. You need to get some of those guys out here. Some would say, you know, you, you can do both. You can change a yeah. culture while also, you know, supporting the guys that you have there. And it's been it's been a very tough transition for, I think, a lot of guys in that locker room. And, you know, w- when the wins aren't coming like they are in New England – it makes it even tougher and it makes it even harder to rationalize a decision like trading Quandre Diggs for less than a fifth round pick. Yeah. And 
I mean, it, it's it's an even harder sell to the fan base that's been waiting 50 years for a championship to see you trade a fan favorite, a guy that by all means had a great relationship with the city of Detroit, great relationship with the locker room, great relationship with the fans, and to see him go middle of the season and, you know, you replace him with a third-round rookie who's had never started a game, uh, it, it's, a, it's a very hard sell. And it, it's frustrating for me as a fan, too, because – I've seen some of my favorite players of this team leave this organization either disgracefully or, or you know, forced out. You know, I mean, you can even tie this in with the Kelvin Johnson stuff. The guy sure. who still won't step inside the Lions practice facility, even though he's been the best receiver this franchise has ever had. Like, I keep losing. And I know this is also, you know, the Lions aren't alone. They People leave their teams all the time, and you have to kind of come to terms with that as a fan but you look like deandre levy was a, a fan favorite of mine and he kind of left disgracefully and um and I, I don't mean it was his fault or anything like that it's just like it was a tough breakup is what i mean to say sure sure uh golden tate quandre Diggs. uh i, I feel like darius slay is coming too the way things are headed at this point um it, it's it, it even goes back to barry sanders i know he's good with the team now but it's just it's so frustrating when you see a team struggle and they're butting heads with their own players. You know, it was, it'd be one thing if like, Hey, we're kind of lovable losers. We, we at least love our players and, and they love us back. We're not getting that in Detroit. We're getting headbutting. We're getting guys that don't like the team, the guys that come out and, and trash the team when they leave. And I, it, it puts fans in a weird spot. Cause you want to say like, this is my franchise. I, I love them no matter what they do. But at the same time, you love the players there. You have to love the players because they're the ones giving you the product. And when they're saying bad things about your franchise, it really kind of makes you rethink everything about the franchise and rethink maybe your even allegiance to the franchise and ask a whole bunch of questions that you shouldn't be asking as a fan. You should just be enjoying it. Yeah. But the Lions are making it tough to even enjoy the bad times right now. And, and the Quandre Diggs trade is, is a perfect example of that. Sorry for that long-winded answer. No, no, I got it, man. That, I get that was clearly it, you know. something that I wanted to get off my chest, I guess. <laughs> I get it, man, because I was just as confused. I mean, obviously, I didn't have the same emotional stake that you have, especially yeah. with a with a guy like like that. But it's just like when I heard about that trade, I was like, "What did they catch him with the owner's daughter or something?" I mean, what the <laughs> hell happened there? You yeah. know, you don't give the guy away. You know, it was like even even if they were trying to do like a patriot move and getting rid of a guy a year too soon instead of a year too late, like the. The, the 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 lawyer Malloy, the the right. Richard Seymour, the Logan Mankins, you know, it was, those were very unpopular moves for Patriots fans. But Belichick seemed to be right on with all of them. They recovered just fine and were able to move on, and and their replacements and all that kind of stuff, you know, filled in the gaps. This is not New England. This is Detroit, and they got a pretty decent return on those trades. Richard right. Seymour got the Raiders, or you know, got a first round pick. Uh, from from the Raiders. I mean, Loyal Malloy was a straight-up cut, but still, they won the Super Bowl that year, so that's a pretty decent return. And then, you know, Logan Mankins, I'm sure they got, like, some decent picks out of the Bucks uh, for Logan Mankins and, and ended up looking like they just robbed the Buccaneers and the Raiders for what they got for those guys that they felt they didn't need anymore. But Quandre Diggs, on the other hand, like you said, 25-26, we just gave the guy an extension, so obviously we think he has a future, and then you give him away for nothing. It's almost like a slap in the face. Yeah. And just the Lions' luck. Starting safety the next week, Tracy Walker, third-round pick last year. 
goes down with an injury, hasn't been back. So now the Lions are shorthanded at safety, and this is exactly why you don't make a trade like that in the middle of the season for only a fifth-round pick or, or you know, less than a fifth-round pick, as I keep saying. If, if you wanted to move on from Quandre Diggs, you at least keep like you bench him. Like if if you're not that pleased with what you're what you've got out of him, bench him. Put yeah. your your rookie in. At least you got him there as depth. At least you got him there as kind of a veteran leadership of the of this defense that can talk to your guys and 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 coach him up. And he seemed like the guy that would be more than willing to do something like that. And then trade him in the off season. And then you have a you know you bring in some other depth but now the lines have left themselves extremely thin at safety and they only have themselves to blame for it yeah it's it's uh it's it's never fun to see that uh to see that happen and i remember you and i having the same conversation a year ago because the lions made two trades yep Uh, you know on one on one trade they were buyers and they went out and they got themselves snacks harrison which worked out great last season like you said a moment ago about them in, like their run defense vastly improved after he came around. But then they went ahead and sold Golden Tate. So it's like this mixed message that they're sending the fan base where they go out and they, they give up draft capital to get this guy. And then, on the other hand, they give up one of their best playmakers for the last several years. For, yeah, they got a third-round pick, so that wasn't bad. But they it's like, what are we doing? I thought we were, we're, we're, we're buyers, not sellers here. We just gave away one of our best players and, and you don't really have anybody to replace him with i remember a year ago at yeah. this time having this conversation like mm-hmm. we traded away golden tate we have galladay and that's it and yeah. that's exactly what how that game turned out to be if stafford mm-hmm. wasn't throwing the goal to galladay if it wasn't coming out of the backfield it wasn't happening at all and that's what helped the bears dominate that first matchup last season <laughs> support for the bears talk underground and the armchair media network comes from manscaped who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's a bold new world out there, boys. It isn't just the ladies that are expected to keep a clean shop in the nether regions these days. But you don't want to use the same trimmer for your face that you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Always use the right tools for the job. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer, their Lawnmower 2.0. I love that name has proprietary skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. And because of it, manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why aren't you putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the promo code armchair. So go to manscaped.com, the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Your balls will thank you, or as our friend Dr. Eva would say, There really is nothing like a shorn scrotum. It's breathtaking. I suggest you try it. And now let's get back to the show. (laughs) I, I, I think most Lions fans can go back and look at that Golden Tate trade and, and be at least a little bit okay with it. He was a guy on an expiring contract, so yeah. at best they, they get you know maybe a third or fourth round compensatory pick, but that's only if everything else also goes their, their way in the offseason. And if you spend $90 million on Trey Flowers, you're probably not going to get a compensatory pick. Right. Uh, so, so at least you got what you were going to get, and 
you look at the team in, in 2018 and they were pretty flawed. Certainly they made things worse for them by trading Golden Tate, but right. chances, I mean, they, they obviously weren't going to catch the Bears last year. Um, they probably weren't going to make a lot of noise in the wild card. So you can at least rationalize that, you know, in maybe maybe just using the power of hindsight, and that's maybe not completely fair, but it made sense at least in that he had an expiring contract and they got right. a significant yeah, return. Yeah, they got something decent in return. But, but like you know, like we talked about none of that now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they they have, like I said, guy had just signed an extension, so they had him young, they had him still fairly cheap for another couple of years, and they got essentially nothing for him in return. So it's it's different, but it kind of it 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 it's definitely takes the same emotional toll, I think, for Lions fans right now. Yeah, well at least the Bears stayed quiet and inactive during <laughs> the trade uh a deadline, although a lot of Bear fans are upset about that because that means Trubisky's still on the team. Because <laughs> apparently we're supposed to just walk him out to the edge of the pier and shoot him in the back of the head, and that's just supposed to be the end of it. And then trade for Cam Newton or Andy Dalton or Marcus right. Mariota or, or Nick Foles. It's Nick Foles I still can't wrap my head around. It's like, who says Nick Foles is available? Just because Mustache Man is throwing a few touchdown passes while Nick Foles is recovering from a broken collarbone? That's supposed to be the end of Nick Foles. And, of course, he's healthy. Right. And, and what same. happens? <laughs> Mustache Man is on the bench now, and, and Foles is starting on Sunday. So that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. Nick Foles is not available, so everyone just let that one go. And uh, the Cam Newton thing and, and all the other quarterbacks that we should have, quote-unquote, should have uh, traded for is like, with what? We right. don't have a first-round pick next year. Yeah, we got two second-rounders, but if we give those away, we don't have a draft pick until the fifth round. Because our third rounder was also part of the Khalil Mack trade. We gave that to the Raiders. And the fourth rounder we gave to New England to move up in the draft last year to pick Montgomery. So if we give away those two second-round picks to get some quarterback nobody wants anymore, we're not picking until day three, late in day three. It's like, no, thank you. Yeah, you know, it's like we're supposed to be adding assets, not subtracting here. And aggressive as Ryan Pace likes to be sometimes, that would be stupid. So we're going to have to write it out. And that's what we're dealing with right now. And also trying to figure out what the hell this defense offense is is doing because the defense is suffering because of yeah. our offense. Is that what's happening to your offense? Like your offense is suffering because the defense is bad or, you know, what's what's is that is that happening to you guys as well? Um, maybe a little bit. It's suffering in the sense that they're not getting a lot of, you know, turnovers or good field positions or things like that. And and they're probably not getting as many possessions as they deserve i mean you look at the the lines point totals and they're good they're like in the yeah. 20s or, or low 30s but they could be a lot better if the defense would ever get off the field so yeah I, I think there's definitely at least a little bit of interplay there um but the offense is you know the, they're doing their their end of the bargain for sure and probably even more than that um but it, it, they, they they also you know because they still don't have a run game because apparently it's illegal to have a run game in Detroit when when Barry Sanders isn't in the backfield. Right. Uh, they they can't put games away. Yeah. So like I said, they they had that eighteen point meltdown against Arizona. It's because they can't run the clock because they can't run the ball, and then all it takes is you know one incomplete pass there, one can, incomplete pass here, and and suddenly the ball's back in the defense's hands, and we we know how that's going to work out. So talk to me about the running game. Is is that kind of like how Nagy is in Chicago, where there's just an overall impatience with it? Um, because that I'm sure you heard about the game against the New Orleans Saints. Sure. Yeah. Where we ran the ball seven times in the entire game. And just to kind of twist the knife in, it was Walter Payton bobblehead day. 
<laughs> so it's like, how are we going to celebrate the greatest running back of all time and then not run the football? And during the, the post-game press conference, Nagy was like, yeah, we, our first runs, we ran the ball five times in the first half, which means for those of you keeping score at home, we ran it twice in the second half. It just boggles the mind to even think about it now. But it's like Nagy's like, yeah, our first three runs were from zero, one, and two. And then there was a fumble in there uh, as well in the first five uh, runs. So, yeah, basically I saw that the run wasn't going to work, so we threw the ball 54 times. So we put the ball in our most unreliable asset on offense right now. And that's unfortunately is Mitch Trubisky, our quarterback, took the ball out of David Montgomery's hands, who aside from Allen Robinson is the best player that we have on offense right now. And when we ran the ball, we were doing this goofy stuff with the – the jet sweeps and handing it off to Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel. And, uh, you know, uh, God bless him. Tariq Cohen has been useless in the running game so far this year. I think a friend of mine says he's leading the league in horizontal yards, but he's not getting anything when it comes to vertical. Like he just keeps waiting for that, you know, to, to try to get around the corner and it just isn't there. So he'll just end up running out of bounds for no gain, but he ran 25 yards across the field to get to that point. So, uh, but and that's what it's been like. But has it just been an overall impatience? Like first down, nothing. Second down, nothing. All right, we're not running the ball anymore. We're just going to throw it because that's what's working. Is that what Bevel is doing? Or is he actually putting some effort into the run game and it's just not there? Larry, once again, you are the yin to my yang because <laughs> having having a, a second half where they only run the ball twice sounds like a dreamland for Detroit right now because, <laughs> no, they, they are stubbornly – trying to run the ball wow all the time so it's just Uh, an inability it's it's completely an inability they they're actually 16th so right in the middle of the league in terms of rushing attempts per game Mm -hmm. but they're rushing for 3.7 yards per carry they (laughs) they have two rushing touchdowns on the entire season because they can't get any push on the goal line they are a horrible goal line rushing team and so and and i think one of the rushing touchdowns they have was in that monday night green bay game where it did not look like he made it in, but they just—it was—it was a fourth down, and and you know it's just one of those times where refs are pulling people off the pile. No one has made a symbol, even though the play ended five seconds ago. And then someone's just like, uh, "Okay, yeah, touchdown, sure." Right. And that's that's the half of the rushing touchdowns right there. Um, yeah, it, it's—I I can't explain it. The Lions have tried and tried, and they've put so many resources into the offensive line, so many resources into their running backs. So many resources into their tight ends to help them block, and nothing is working. Nothing is working. And now, you know, Carry On Johnson's out for probably the rest of the season. If not, he can, he can technically come back for I think the last two games of the year. They got their their starter last week was a guy named Trey Carson, who's also now on IR. Um, <laughs> there's there's no good backs on this team. The tight ends are struggling. The interior of the offensive line is playing okay. Frank Rag now is, is playing good. Mm-hmm. But the tackles are not playing very well, and it's just it just I don't know it it hasn't come together, despite putting draft pick after draft pick after draft pick into the run game specifically, despite a coaching staff that is like we are going to establish the run that is going to be our identity. They just can't make it happen, and so the Lions, like I said, they're still going to run the ball. They're still going to try to run the ball. They're still going to get Matthew Stafford into third and nines because they'll run on first down, they'll run on second down, and they won't gain more than three yards on those two plays. Mm-hmm. And and Matthew Stafford is playing out of his mind, so he'll actually convert. He's one of the best third-down quarterbacks in the league, but it's not a sustainable system. It, it's, it's going to break down, and it does in second half of the games a lot. 
and so the rushing game is the rushing. It, it, like I said, since Barry Sanders, it's always been the biggest frustration about this team, and, and this year really is no difference. Yeah, that's. See, I don't know what would be more frustrating is the fact that we like we as the Bears won't run the ball at least not on a on a regular basis or not a consistent one, and or would it be more frustrating to watch the Bears? I mean, I, I guess I have my answer because in 2017, that's what we did. We had the rookie quarterback in Trubisky, instead, so instead we put our put the ball in the hands of Jordan Howard, and we faced short yardage defenses for all 16 games that year, and somehow Jordan Howard plowed his way to 1,100 yards, and, and, and Mitch did what he could when he could. But, uh, you know, it was like they knew we were trying to run the ball, so that's what they were geared up for, and we struggled mightily on offense because of it. But here we are with an offense that, um, you know, we have a better running back. We, we Apparently we, we thought we had a good defense offensive line, or at least they were last year, and now we, we aren't running the football. Or we don't? Are we not running it when we should be, and, and vice versa? Yeah. It just seems like we're making the wrong decision every time. And it's you know, same thing with Mitch. Every time he throws the football, it just seems like he's lasering the ball when he should be putting some air under it, and he puts air under it when he should be firing it <laughs> in there. It happened twice last week against the Eagles, and there was that big fifty-three yard play to um, Gabriel. Mm -hmm. He put so much air under it, the defense had time. He had to slow down and wait for the ball to get there and ended up getting caught because of it. If he hits him in stride, it's a touchdown. Then a few plays, uh, you know, a drive or two later, Allen Robinson, who's not the fastest receiver in the world, has got two steps on that weak secondary in Philadelphia. But Mitch hung it up there so long, the defender was able to uh, interfere with the ball enough that Robinson couldn't come down with it. He got his hands on it. But once he hit the ground, he didn't have a good enough grasp on it. The ball flies out as opposed to Mitch just lasering it right over his shoulder and boom, he runs into the end zone touchdown. No problem. It seems like whenever those throws come up, he makes the wrong decision every time. He, he, he fires it in there when he should lay, when he should you know float it. He floats it when he should lay it in there and he gets it wrong every single time. And that's what I think is, is so frustrating uh, with, with, the, with the offense is that when it comes to the passing game and Mitch, he doesn't throw the right throw when he throws it, and when we run the football, you know, it's just a mess where either we either can't block anybody or, you know, actually that's pretty much it. We can't block anybody when it comes to the <laughs> running game, and we struggle to, to make plays in the, in the passing game, and the, the regression has is, is, been staggering uh, to watch uh, this year. And that's, you know, we come to this point, you know, as we're wrapping things up, I don't know who's going to win this game, Jeremy. I really I have no either. idea. Okay, I'm supposed to be writing my my preview tonight, and man, I I don't want to make a choice. I yeah. If 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 this were like at least it would be fun if it was a, a like a good offense versus going against a good defense, which it is on one side of the ball, but yes. on the other side yes. of the ball, when when the Bears have the ball, it's just like how am I supposed to pick between this Bears offense versus Lions defense right now? I right, don't because want here's the thing. <laughs> The, it, the question kind of comes down to which is more likely to happen, that the Bears' <laughs> defense shuts down the Lions' offense or the Lions' defense shuts down the, the Bears' offense. And it's like, well, based on how these units are playing, both of them are pretty likely, actually, that, uh, you know, that the Lions figure it out on defense and shut us down on on offense and that the the bears are able you know like it could just who the yeah who knows man honestly and yeah. then the opposite 
could be true. This could be the one game where the Lions, you know, are the Bears kryptonite and put up 30 points. And then on the other side, Mitch Trubisky has a Tampa Bay game and throws for five touchdowns on <laughs> on the defense. I mean, th- that's the other thing. It's like the reverse could actually happen as well. And that's what makes it so difficult to to pick. I mean, in the end, it's yeah. like I'm leaning towards the Bears because the Bears are at home. Right. No other reason. That's it. That's the ultimate. That's equal. Like, it. Yeah, that's like it's that's like, you flipping the coin. It's like, like, well, I don't know. I guess I'll go with the home team. Yeah, it's like I'm picking the <laughs> Bears because the Bears are at home, but not because of some strategy or some gross advantage that we have over the Lions or or yeah. anything like that. Because I think it's a push on both sides. Your yeah. offense, our defense. That's a push. Our offense, your defense. That's an ugly push, but it's a push nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, it's yep. probably going to come down to special teams or the intangibles, like turnovers and penalties yep. and things like that. I don't think it's going to be one team outclassing the other on Sunday. Yeah, it's probably who makes the fewer mistakes, which yeah. is which is really the the case in in most NFL games. But I feel like that's especially true. Like, no team is going to like lose the turnover battle three nothing and win in this in this matchup. Right, exactly. So I mean that's. I mean, and that's usually a a judgment that I I would reserve for like when you're uh, if, like a higher level competition uh, type game. Like the the first time that I kind of dragged that one out was last year when the Bears played the Rams on Sunday Night Football. It's like our defense, their offense. That is a super strength against strength matchup, and I think it's going to come down to whichever team makes the fewest mistakes is going to end up winning. And this was Mitch's first game back from the from the shoulder injury last year. He threw three interceptions, which is a disaster. The positive is Goff threw four and got sacked for a safety. So that's more mistakes than the Bears made, and the Bears won a close game 15 to six. So, you know, but this is the complete opposite. We have yeah. two solid units in your offense and our defense, and then two units that we don't want to acknowledge with our <laughs> offense and your defense kind of thing and they are canceling each other out as far as the matchups are concerned as far as how they played this year which is going to bring it down to whoever makes the first uh, the fewest mistakes out of this group will most likely win the game or who can make more plays than the other one maybe Cordero or Tariq runs one back for a touchdown there's your difference in the game right there you know because I think you guys have the you know with Prater you guys have the advantage in the kicking game as far as proven veteran versus uh Pinero and and even though he's been more solid than any kicker we've had since Robbie Gold left um Mm -hmm. you know it's just he missed the last kick that we had for him yeah uh but uh you know not exactly his fault and I I still don't put that one on him to be honest with you but um you know it's just it, it all comes down to, like, you know, how, how do you make a decision on who to wins? And it, it's like the Bears are at home, so I guess we'll go with the home team on this one. And, and you know, two and two and a half, three weeks when we play again on Thanksgiving, I'm probably going to give the advantage to the Lions <laughs> because they're at home. Yeah. So I mean, it's as good as logic as you come you right. can come up with in this weird <laughs> matchup. So, but I always enjoy – uh bears lions week for for some reason uh you know i i just enjoy watching these two teams play because it is always interesting one way uh or the other but and the th- the other thing is there's no one in the division i hate losing to more <laughs> you know well that that feeling is just about mutual it may have <laughs> it may have finally changed though this year it may have finally changed to green bay after that yeah. game on monday well night. yeah i don't blame you man i really <laughs> 
I really don't. That fourth quarter with those referees was just embarrassing. It is embarrassing watching it go down uh, that way. And then to watch them come back, it was it was almost as ridiculous as watching Al Riveron try to justify that Zach Miller uh, catch that he made against New Orleans where he folded his knee 90 degrees in the wrong direction but yeah. still caught the damn ball. And they turned like they're look, we're sh- they're showing us shadows to try to justify us saying that they reversed the call and it wasn't a touchdown. It's like I'm sitting here looking at it, dude. He caught the ball. I don't I don't understand <laughs> this. And then they're going back saying like, oh, yeah, you see where his hand is right there. That's hands to the face. That's a penalty. It's like, no, he's got him by the shoulder there. Uh, he doesn't even have him by the throat or anything like that. I don't see illegal hands to the face. He's not even touching his face. Or anything like that, but let's get two of those in there that just kept this drive alive, so that the Packers could kick a field goal with no time left and win the game in walk-off fashion. It was ridiculous. You know, now that you've mentioned, now that you've thrown officiating out there, that's going to be the difference on Sunday. Isn't there you it? go. There's going to be, there's going there to be go. some weird officiating thing that's going to piss off one of us. Well, I mean, that's happened in this series as well. I mean, we have True. the whole what is a catch controversy to thank for. You know, with these two teams, first with the Calvin Johnson uh, catch, and then a few years later, there was that weird, uh, he caught the ball, and then it was, yeah, knocked out of his hands almost immediately, but because he got a second foot down, even though he didn't finish the catch or whatever, somehow (laughs) it's still a touchdown. It's like, wait, what? It's like I know it took him six years, but the Lions finally got that call back against the the Bears. Like, there's no way he caught that. Come on. You know, it's just... And that was another one of those catalysts for them trying to actually figure out what a catch is and right. what it isn't was the Bears and the Lions, once again, have a catch that nobody can agree on. So yep. you're right. Officiating has been an issue in this series, so why not this Sunday as well? <laughs> oh, God, please no. <laughs> well, Jeremy, this has been a blast, man. Like I said, despite your allegiance, I love having you on the show, man. It's always a good time. And uh, look forward to to having you back in what let's what nine days or whatever it is. No. Oh, my oh, we gosh, got a little bit like of a that. longer break this time. This time because before it was we played twice in eleven days. I think we we, we got eighteen days uh, this time. So uh, maybe we'll have a little bit more space. Yeah, literally November tenth to November twenty eighth. So that's that is eighteen days. So we got an extra week. So we'll we'll, we'll meet you back here in a couple of weeks and uh, preview the Thanksgiving game and see if we can talk ourselves off the ledge. Uh, you know, going into this one's like, I don't even know why we're doing this. They're just making us play. It's the early game on Thanksgiving. So, you know, you, this is what you watch before you eat dinner and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, um, I'm sure I'm sure both teams will be in the playoff race again by oh, then. Absolutely. Because we're going to tie this weekend <laughs> okay, and then we're going to we we're going to win the two games in between and then yeah. try to polish it off on, on Thanksgiving Day. And, uh, you know, we'll see what our like our five and five, five, five and one bears against the you know what five and five four and one eat, five, uh, four and lions? Two. five or two. Five. Oh my god you're right five four and two uh lions uh we'll, you know we'll battle it out on thanksgiving day and see what happens so i'll take i'll if you were to offer me that right now a tie and then win in the next two weeks i would shake your hand right now yes i would take that as well i would i would take <laughs> kissing my sister this sunday for two wins the next couple of weeks because we got the rams and the giants and i want us to win both of those games so yeah yeah but um <laughs> yeah, man. Like I said, just have a blast having you on the show. Where can we uh, keep up with you until we talk to you again in like five days? Yeah, I mean, prideofdetroit.com is where all my stuff goes. So we have a, a podcast we, where we, we do a preview podcast. We do a post-game pro- podcast. If, if you want, 
if uh, if you want to go talk trash to us, we actually do our post game podcast live now Ooh. on Twitch. If you're if you're a, a youngin that likes Twitch, right. Twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, eight p.m. Eastern time after the game, we'll okay. be live talking about it. Right, that should be interesting. I love your Twitter exchanges with Bear fans, but I I, I know that I've messaged you more than once. Like, dude, why? Why do you do it? <laughs> why do you answer them? They're just. There's no sense like cause there's a lot of stupid bear fans out there that are just so triggered by and especially when it comes to the Lions, because that's a team that uh, bear fans either feel that we're uh, either on equal plane with or that are below us. And therefore, yeah. when the Lions, someone from the Lions insults the bears, they take great offense <laughs> to it. And they also have to lash. It's like, why do you do it? Why do you engage? You just it's going to be aggravating for yourself to try to talk to some of these people. Because as laying on the floor as a Lions fan, the Bears are the lowest hanging fruit for us to hit. <laughs> yeah, because they fall for it every time. You make some kind of offhanded comment about the Bears. I'm like, all right, here it comes. And I look at the comments. It's like, yep, 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 yep. All right, so why not? And I can just hear your laughter in in your replies when you actually say something back to some of these idiots. I, so, I can't help myself. I'm a yeah, horrible person. It's it's great, though. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. It's like, he's you know, I guess he must be bored if he's going to do this, because otherwise <laughs> it's a futile attempt to try to have a conversation with a Bear fan after he said something that's pissed him off. So <laughs> it's a, it's fun, though. So anybody who wants to check that out, I would recommend it. It's, uh, it's a good time. So if you're a rational Bear fan, otherwise, if you read something that triggers you, don't take the bait because you're just walking into a into a buzzsaw on that one. So <laughs> anyway, Jeremy, I appreciate your time, man. We'll see you again uh, real soon. I mean that literally. All right. Sounds good, man. Remember, guys, uh, promo code armchair for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code chair to double your first deposit at mybookie.ag. I want to thank Jeremy Reisman for coming on to the show. Like I said, despite his allegiances as a dirty, stinking Lions fan, uh, I really enjoy talking to the guy. I have fun uh, having him uh, on the on the show uh, every year so I look forward to talking to him again in like 12 hours when the Bears and the Lions play a second time in a very short period uh, of time in a very short window but speaking of this ball game which uh, when it comes to strategy and and uh, X's and O's keys to the game and all that kind of stuff I think it's very simple uh, for this for this game it's all on the Bears offense it really really is and and uh, I know that's been a common theme lately because they've done so little so far this year but I mean this is a prime prime game for the offense to get back on track because as you heard the line uh Jeremy Reisman say uh as you've heard you know if you listen to other Bears podcasts statistically they're one of the worst defenses in the league they can't stop anybody they can't get off the field on third down so on and so forth so it really is very important for our offense to get off to a fast start on Sunday and how they do that is up to them I'm not going to sit here and pound the table for David Montgomery to run the ball or for us to do just whatever you got to do man whatever you have to do just do it move the chains 
move the chains, hang on to the ball, keep the ball out of Stafford and company's hands, put points on the board, finish the drives, no settling for field goals, put touchdowns on the board because our defense is going to have a challenge against this Lions offense, and it's important for us to compete with them this week. And, you know, even though statistically – we're nowhere near as good an offense as the Lions are. We're not as efficient uh, in any area. I mean, we're probably as equally terrible in the run game as you heard Jeremy uh, talk about. But, you know, in the passing games, we pale in comparison to to what Stafford and company are, are doing throwing uh, the football. So if, if our defense can, can slow that down or even, God forbid, shut it down, uh, then it probably won't take much in order for us to win the ball game but just in case just in case they figure something out and put some points on the board our offense is going to need to be able to compete is going to be able to match and or exceed that amount uh this weekend so i think it's it really is on the offense this week if if the offense plays well then i think we win the game easily uh as and and if the offense doesn't play well which it hasn't in the first eight games then I can definitely see the Lions coming away with the with the victory here. You know, I'm I'm more inclined to believe that our defense will be able to slow and or shut down the Lions uh passing attack because God knows they don't run the ball. We heard Jeremy say that they've been stubborn in in their uh you know, they've been tenacious in in trying to get the running game going. They just can't do it. Uh which has got to be crazy frustrating. But, um, you know, that when the Bears do the right thing, we can run the ball. When we go power football, when we do an I-formation deal, the Bears can run the ball very well. All of a sudden, the, you know, you heard Olin Krutz, uh say it on the show the earlier this week. You heard him agree with me when I say that all of a sudden when we go to the power football, we go to the offset I or the I-formation, we get J.P. Holtz back there, we got a fullback where all of a sudden the O-line's getting a push, we're running downhill, and David Montgomery's getting through the first level. If we do that, we get a little play action going off of that. I think we could have something exciting, maybe something even, God forbid, dynamic on offense uh, this week. Or if Nagy comes in there and he's uh, stubborn about it and keeps trying to run his offense, which has not been working, we could be in for another long afternoon. And, uh, you know, we know that if the Bears try to do that and – have the same success on offense that they've had, the Lions won't need to break the scoreboard against our defense in order to beat us on Sunday. So it really is up to the offense, and, and it's it's going to be a test of wills, if you will, in, in this football game. Do the Bears have the will to stick with what's working as far as nagging and the play calling uh, and everything? If you see that this is what's working, can we just stick to that instead of you know going to it when everything else has failed and that's kind of what we what I think we've been seeing and and like I said this is just my uh, armchair opinion no pun intended uh, watching the games on Sunday I don't have uh, I don't uh, have the extra money to get the 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 access to watch the all 22 I also don't think I would have the stomach for it to be honest with you especially with the way we're playing this year but uh, you know I don't have the 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 luxury of, of breaking down uh, the X's and O's are going back and having a second look at the film just, to, you know, as a, a regular, you know, armchair slob on a, a Monday morning quarterback, if you will, 
uh, watching the, the football games, it just seems like we have some success and then we go back to a bunch of plays that don't work and then all of a sudden Mitch will go into, you know, that 53-yard play is a perfect example. Like we weren't doing that earlier in the game. Then all of a sudden, boom, we do. We have some success with that. Mitch rolls out. He's got all day to throw the ball. He finds an open receiver and boom, we got a 50-plus yard gain, our biggest pass play of the season like that same thing with the Allen robinson throw that he hung up there just a little bit too much so uh it just uh it, it boggles the mind that Nagy wouldn't be just like you know what i guess we just got to stick with this because this is what the offense is having success with or instead he'll rattle off 30 passes in a row and ignore the run game because we got two yards the last time we tried to run it or something like that so we'll see what happens uh, on Sunday I, I think the odds are more in our favor that we can and will win uh, on Sunday God knows we could certainly use uh, a victory and I think this team as you guys heard me say at the end of the Olin Krutz episode I really think the team needs to win and and not just for future standing and trying to get on some kind of run here in the second half but we Let's not talk about going on a run until we're about three games into a winning streak or something like that. Right now, uh, we're in the midst of eight one-game seasons, and we need to go 1-0 and this Sunday. We need to be a perfect 1-0 and after this Sunday. So if we, if we can do that, then we'll talk about trying to be 2-0 and in the second season next week uh, against the Rams and so on. So it, it's kind of futile right now to try to sit here and talk about going on a seven and one run or you know trying to run the table here in the second half especially with the games we have ahead of us but you know it's it's all about just trying to get it done this week getting that monkey off their back you know i i honestly think if we can win this game on sunday against the lions you'll see a much looser much uh you know happier and and god forbid a much swaggier team next week against the lions because they are excuse me against the rams because it's finally off their back and they won't have to try to break a five-game losing streak against an L.A. Rams team that's playing decent football or has been for the last few weeks going into the – they were off last week for the bye. They got a game this week. And, uh, you know, I just think it would be almost impossible to win that game next week, especially if we lose this Sunday. So it's going to be hard enough. But to be staring down the barrel, we've lost five in a row. It could be six in a row if we lose this game on the road to this football team that's actually you know playing well. Not as well as its uh, division mates in Seattle and, and uh, San Francisco right now, but still going to the playoffs if it were into you know the end of day and uh, and so on. So um, this I think a win this Sunday would go a long way in the Bears being able to get something kick started and 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 on its way. So and and like uh you know we said with uh jeremy there towards the end we kind of try to came this with a solution about it. it's it's going to come down to special teams and intangibles the intangibles being you know penalties uh turnovers and so on special teams being cordell patterson Tariq cohen being able to to run a kickback of some kind or at least using those kicks to get us in decent uh, field position you know have them have them flip the field position game by Tariq Cohen taking one 70 yards like he did in the uh, in the Raiders game just take one deep get it into the red zone and and let Mitch and company take it from there so uh, that's that I think that's what it will come down to 
Uh, like Jeremy and I said, it'll come down to the team that makes the fewest mistakes on Sunday. And I usually like to reserve that kind of analysis for those games between higher level competition, as I put it uh, during the interview. Like it's, you know, like I said, the first time I kind of rolled that one out was last year uh, against the Rams. And it turned out to be a pretty good, uh, pretty good analysis of what happened uh, in that game. With these two teams, they're playing on the opposite end of the spectrum. The teams that have been making mistakes, mental errors, missing tackles, penalties, and so on, whoever can make the fewest of those mistakes will likely be the team that is victorious at 3 o'clock on Sunday. So uh, I think that's really what it will come down to. I believe it can be the Bears, especially since we're at home. There's a lot riding on this game, and I'm not even talking about trying to mount some kind of run or, or you know, salvage the season or anything crazy like that. There's just a lot on the line. We've lost three games at home already for a team that only lost one at home last year. Uh, combined with the playoff loss last year, the Bears are one in four at home in the last five games. That's unacceptable. We need to get a win. We need to get a win at home. Get this monkey off our back so we can go into the second half uh, of the season. Um, roaring to go, man. And uh, no pun intended with the roar for the Lions or anything like that. So that's my thoughts. And I think that's what it's, it's going to take to win for the offense to get off to a fast start to put the Lions in a deep hole so that our defense can pin their ears back and go get them. It all snowballs. So that's what I'm looking for uh, on Sunday. This is the perfect defense for us to get our offense going uh, against on Sunday. And I think that's going to work to our advantage. We just have to play it the right way. So. That is going to do it for the Week 10 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Tuesday when we'll break this one down. Bear ups and bear downs and knee-jerk reactions and all that kind of stuff. Will this episode need an explicit tag? I guarantee you if we lose to the Lions, and I hate losing to the goddamn Lions for one reason or another, if we lose, I can almost guarantee it. So I know some of you people, you sadistic folks out there, are now praying for that to happen, but uh, I would much rather do a happy-go-lucky Victory Tuesday episode uh, next week. So uh, let's just cross our fingers and hope for that. Besides, I'm always I'm kind of sick of walking into work on Monday not happy because the Bears lost on Sunday. So I would like to break that streak uh, as well. So come back on Tuesday for the Week 10 review episode. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.